0: Come on! Awesome! How cool is that? Breaking through praises. Gotta tell you, anything could happen in an atmosphere like that. That is like palpable. So let's declare a few things: healing in bodies right now. Father, there's faith in this house for breakthroughs, for families to be restored, for marriages to be healed, for forgiveness to be exchanged. For that hard to have conversation to happen this week the courage and boldness would rise up we pray for those that are sick in our midst this morning right now the healing power of the name of Jesus would enter into everybody that is sick in body, mind, or spirit, and right now, like Georgia shared before, her testimony a bolt of lightning from heaven went through her, Lord, and just lifted her out of that place that she'd been stuck in for a couple of years. God, I thank you this morning that freedom has come to the house of God here in C3 Church, Adelaide Hills, at a whole new level. Lord, we're going swim in it. Lord, we're going to run in it. We're going to play in it. Father, we're going to receive it into our innermost beings this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come and give the Lord a clap offering this morning. It's great to be in His presence. Fantastic. Uh, you guys are pushing hard this morning. You can feel the grunt in the meeting, right? Yeah. Yep. That was great work, guys. That was pretty... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Come on. Very, very good. You know, as much as that, he's awesome and that's true that it's awesome. What's more awesome is that God, God's into this and he's into us. He's into us experiencing him. He's into us receiving him into our innermost being. It's not like you can end up worshipping worship. And that's not what I'm saying. We worship God. We worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's the attention uh, that we're, the person we're supposed to be attending to, but he's given us this incredible gift of worship so that we can throw ourselves into that. Some of us are really good singers and some of us are lousy singers. God doesn't care what sort of singer you are. As long as you open your mouth and pay Him attention, something can happen. So if you sing out of tune, you sing flat or you don't even know how to sing, just hum along. Whatever you do, get your attention onto heaven because that's, what it's, that's where it's at. Why don't you tap your neighbor you just sit down and say, I'm ready for something right now. Have a seat. Thanks, guys. You can grab a seat as well. Wow. All righty, that's, that's pretty awesome. <clears throat> um, here we are, Shift 2019, and this month we're looking at the context of shift in families and shift and its impact on families. And As I started thinking about families this week, particularly preparing this message, um, i make a comment, something like this in the middle of a wedding service, actually, that that children are to be brought up in families, husband and wife, where um, it's kind of a a bedrock, it's a pillar of our society. There's a level of security that is meant to be part of the dynamic of a family. And uh, the irony of that, for me, as I thought about it, was that in that sense, I get that bedrock, but in the other sense, I've noticed that families have to face change at the drop of a hat. Things just happen, planned and unplanned, that completely change the landscape in which a family functions. So for example, uh, a new baby being born into a family, that changes everything. Whether it's the first or the 40th kid, or well, 20th, whatever, 40th, yeah. Um, whether it's a knock at the door in the dead of night to say there's been a motor vehicle accident, whether it's a come home from a day out with a redundancy package in your hand, whether it's your child coming off their push bike, having a massive crash and breaking an arm or a leg or fracturing their skull or cheekbone. Um, I think the Cookles can recall that from a young fella in their family not so long ago that came a cropper off his mountain bike. Those things require a family to be adaptable. You can't just say, oh, all very well, let's just keep going. I mean, in some respects, you do keep going, but you've got to change a whole bunch of things because of the changed circumstances. And so I want to say to you that God's created families in the first instance. They're not, they're not just a, an accident of our propensity for social groupings. Uh, children are born into families, and families across culture, around the world, in all sorts of shapes and sizes, mind you, and in all manner of forms with regards to authority and who's in charge and who, who calls the shots, that, that's a variable between cultures. But at, the, at its essence, you would find a family structure buried in the, the uh, bedrock of most cultures on the planet. And so I'd want to put it to you that, from my point of view, families are actually something that God, in the first instance, put together together. And it's his will that we live in families. It is his will that our families be places of security. It is his will that our families be places where we learn to roll with the ups and downs of life. Kids are taught all sorts of things in families. And I, so I kept pondering that this week as well. So we've got a few scriptures and I want to just go down a, a particular path in a moment. So I want to pray as I do that. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would open our ears and our hearts to hear from you this morning. Lord, I pray that something will come out of my mouth, that would speak truth and life into every person who's listening, either here in the building or or online later on. Father, we pray today that lives would be transformed by an encounter with the power of God. Lord, that as we come and hear your word, we're not here to have a a teaching session or an encouragement moment from a pastor. Lord, we're here to have a transformational moment when we encounter Jesus Christ, the Son of living God, risen, conquering Lord. Father, I pray today in his name that by your spirit, you would shift us as a church family into our destiny, that we would roll with the changes that are coming our way the things that we have to be resilient around, the things we have to be conscious of and take in our stride with a great attitude. So Lord, come to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alrighty, so where does this all start and how did it all fall apart? Um, I want to say to you, you'll have noticed, I've read somewhere that most pastors and preachers in the world have some favourite scriptures. They just seem to congregate to. So if you've been around the place here for a long time, You've probably worked out there's a few scriptures that Pastor Bruce likes to sort of kick around in and uh, this morning you're going to get a few of those Um, and I make an apology for that in some respects um, because I find for me at the moment a few key scriptures just keep bubbling up revelation and truth about the nature of God and about the nature of me, about the nature of the human heart, the condition that we have being people (coughs) who either do know God or who currently don't know God, but God wants them to know him. And so the people are on a continuum there of finding their way. Um, and so what, what is the crucial ingredient? Um, you know, the obvious one is love, um, a loving family. But um, I want to just step outside of the, the generalisation of that particular item and say, what is it that makes family such an interesting place? How do they actually function in the first instance, whether they're functional or dysfunctional. You can have families where there is no love, and uh, but there's still this incredible level of being glued together. And love's not the ingredient, it's something else. And I started thinking about that. Um, so you can have a family that's dysfunctional with all kinds of deals going on, even a violent family, uh, the way they resolve conflicts with violence, and you go, well, that's not a good thing either. But why, what's, what's that still... what are, is actually holding that unit together, however many people are in it. And I got to the point where I realised, and I think this is my case this morning, that the big ingredient in family life, and indeed in the community at large, is trust. Trust is the most amazingly powerful dimension of relationships between you and me. If we don't trust one another, there's no point even thinking about loving one another. The, the trust comes first. Love can come second. When uh, Julie and I started going out a long, long time ago, I think the steps, from my recollection, would be we we began to trust each other long before we loved each other. There's a sense of trusting each other's judgment, trusting each other's counsel, trusting each other's wisdom, etc., <laughs> etc. Cetera, et cetera. And so, where does this all? Happen and how how come it's such a big issue, you might ask, because I did. And I found myself back in one of my favorite scriptures, Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter three, the fall of man, it's referred to in some Bibles as a little title, not actually part of the text, but it just helps us understand what we're reading. And I'm reading from the NIV, Genesis 3, verses 1 through 6. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from the tree, any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. And uh, the serpent goes on to say in verse 4, You will certainly not die, um, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit was uh, of the tree was good for looking food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, interesting, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Okay, I want you—if I've given you enough of a pre-warning—what my topic this morning is. In that story, there is a whole lot of interaction around the issue of trust and the issue of breaching of trust. And I want to say to you that the most destructive thing that can happen to a person, without killing them, literally, um, is to put them through a scenario where trust is breached. When trust is breached, we're going to have a serious problem. This story indicates bluntly that the cost of breaching trust in God is death. As simple as that, there's like not trusting God equals separation from God, which is as good as being dead, even if you are still alive and breathing. On the inside, in your innermost being, you're a dead duck. And so trust is such a vital issue. At its core, this is where I'd want to say all abuse is a variable degree of breach of trust by a perpetrator. Children that are abused in any context... The issue, besides the evil intent of the perpetrator, whatever that and whoever that might be, at the end of the day, the, the receiver of the abuse has had their trust breached. Say breached. breached. It's been breached. It's been torn apart. This is the problem in the Genesis story that trust is the thing that separated people from God. The bridge between people after this story and god is irreparable except for except for one person and for whatever reason and you might have a quandary in this as you think about yourself and about god and where you stand in the world and what matters to you those moments of ruminating about life you might wonder why did god wait so long Why didn't he just send Jesus straight away? Like Adam and Eve ate the fruit. Let's send Jesus right now to fix this problem. But he didn't. And I'm not going to go into that. There's a long theological story you could put together about that that makes sense to me. Um, But that's for another day. He didn't. Jesus came thousands of years after this story. So there's this incredible breach. Even the sacrifices that are part of the temple in the Old Testament, in lots of respects, kind of build a sort of half-baked structure of connection with God. But the actual ability to trust God completely has been breached in this story of the Garden of Eden. The victim's willingness to trust is violated when an abuse happens. Like the breach in the garden regards God, the breach of trust in families is the moment of death, of freedom, security and peace. It's actually a really hopeless place. Trust being breached is a hopeless, dark situation to which there appears to be no solution. Going to court, taking somebody to court and throwing them in jail doesn't solve the problem of the breach. It solves the problem of us wanting vengeance. It solves the problem of us wanting to have our two bobs worth of that person deserves this, whoever they might be. It's like... Trust breached opens the door for a whole bunch of generalisations to be made. Um, I've said this from the pulpit before, I'm not looking for it to be a pity party comment, so I don't hear it as that. But one of the fastest ways to kill a conversation in the front bar of a pub is to say you're a pastor. Um, just saying, if you are in there and I'm an AFL footballer, come over here and buy you a beer. It's like, no, if you're a pastor, see you later. It's like, it's not even that. They just turn the back and look the other way. Conversations at a party can stop like that if you say what you do. It's like, What is that? Why is that? Because trust has been breached. People don't trust pastors. Why don't they trust pastors? Because I reckon in this story, the enemy's number one weapon to destroy a life is to stuff up the trust factor. The number one tool he used, he could have had anything at his disposal in this garden story. He chose trust. He chose trusting God as the way to separate people from God in his mind forever. God had a plan. However, that went down. God knew that things were going to be different than what the enemy did at this point in time. So maybe your family is not one of those to experience that level of breach. Maybe you haven't had a family where there's been um, really... Even to the point of illegal and completely inappropriate abuse, as I say, if you haven't had that experience in your family, there's a big area to be grateful for, because there are a lot of families in the community in which we live who do. And we've got good news for them. We've got good news that the breach of trust that is absolutely disgusting, it is an absolute tragedy, it's an absolute disgraceful scenario. Why is it so bad? It's because the enemy's behind it on every occasion. His his destructiveness around this issue is unbelievable. It's like an atomic bomb going off in a family. It's like an atomic bomb going off in a young person's heart when a person they trust, a school teacher, a police officer, a doctor, or a nurse, or some health professional, or a mum, or a dad, or an uncle, or an aunt, or a grandma, or a grandpa, violate trust. It is like an explosion going off in here. And it is an irreparable damage. There's no two ways. In my mind, it's irreparable except for an encounter with Christ. There's only one person who can fix trust and that's the person who invented it, God. God's the one that can heal your brokenness. In this arena, if you've been the victim of abuse, if you've been the victim of a breach of trust, maybe it wasn't abusive, but maybe, maybe the trust factor in your life is low. Do you trust certain sort of people? Um, do you find yourself withdrawing from certain types of people, like even conversationally, or even as they sort of express a bit of what they do and who they are, and you, kind of, you just back off? Maybe it's because there's an area of your life where trusting that kind of person is a real hard yakka for you to do. Um, I, yeah, anyway, enough down that track. My point is, however, the issue sits on your life, the best thing about today's message is this, every one of us in this room, every person we ever meet, every person who's within the radar of your life can hear the good news that trust is an issue... That can be restored. Yeah. It, it doesn't. It can't. It can be sort of patched up. You can patch it up and try and try to forgive. You, it can patch it up and try to get over it. You can try to patch it up by I'm just moving on. But at the end of the day, that's not fixing the problem. It's just it's just um, kind of putting a paint job. You know, when you um, you can paint over a rusty piece of steel with paint. Looks great for a few weeks, maybe a few months, but after a little while, the paint peels off if you haven't attended to the rust. Same with trust. No fun intended in that. (laughs) Fix the rust, fix the trust. The trust needs a trust treatment. And the only treatment for trust that is actually going to fix the issue is Jesus Christ, Son of Living God. Anyone say amen to that? Why do we preach Christ? Because He's the one who fixes trust. He's the one who fixes broken hearts. He's the one who actually can put you and me back together if we've experienced a breach of trust. You can find yourself, and I've heard stories, people can have people at work, bosses, work colleagues that are just plain nasty. You go, what is wrong with this person? Why are they always picking on me? What? Um, and you begin to have this, conv- I can't trust them. I've had people tell me as a pastor, we can't trust you. It's like, well, and my response to that is, you're not meant to trust me in some respect, but you are meant to trust God. Um, And I'd like to think that I am trustworthy, but I'm only human. I'm going to let you down. You're going to let me down. Do I let that wreck trust? I hope I don't. But if I do get damaged in the arena of trust... I'm not going to try and fix it myself. I'm not going to get you to fix it. I'm going to try and, I'm not going to try. I'm going to ask God to fix me because I want to trust you. I want to trust people. Trust is how we get things done. That's how thing, everything happens. When you jump into an airplane to fly to wherever you're going, um, I haven't ever interrogated the pilot. So I was like, Where did you go to flying school? How long have you been flying? How long have you been flying this particular aircraft for? It's like, just get in there. Why can I sit in the seat, strap myself in, and just chill out and get on my iPhone and read a book? Flying at nearly 1,000 kilometres per hour, 40,000 feet up in the air in a piece of aluminium can, and I'm just sitting there chilled as chilled. How can I do that? I trust. I trust every dimension of that process of being in that machine. I trust that everybody who's involved with it knows what they're doing and is doing their job properly. And there's a level of underlying trust there. Does that make sense? When you get in your car after church this morning and drive home, you don't run around the car and get out a a -a rustometer and a a spectrometer for what's in it. You you don't get out and analyse the fuel. You probably could sometimes. um, But you literally, I'm just going to get in my car and drive home. And I'm going to trust that the rest of you, nice people, are going to obey the road rules like I do. I'm going to trust that you're going to drive on the left-hand side of the road in Australia and the left, right-hand side of the road if you're in America. There's a whole level of trust. Driving on another side of the road in a foreign country is a weird feeling the first times you do it because you've got to learn to trust that those people are doing the right thing and trust yourself that you're going to not forget where you are. It's like trust is such a key ingredient. I, am I labouring the point enough? Say trust. trust. I want you to grade yourself. Think about your trust o this morning. Is your trust in some arenas of your life kind of zero or is it fully, fully persuaded? Are you, you, you're, you're cool, you, you, you trust people, but trust, trust needs to be carried by something. Trust needs to be carried by someone, I dare say, in fact, I could say that, um, not wanting to be a little bit, but anyway, um, because the person we're reading about in the book of Proverbs this month... Wisdom. Sophia. Wisdom. Wisdom is the the cradle in which trust is carried. Because trust without wisdom is a nightmare. I Many is the person who's trusted kind of a friend with a tip: here, do this. Go and put a thousand dollars on that horse, you'll win a fortune. It's like you just trust them. It's like, well, um. Here's the latest and greatest share portfolio you can get. And trust without wisdom equals disaster. Wisdom is the key to making trust uh, land in the right paddock, so to speak, for our lives. So if I asked you how your trust meter is, next question is: how's your wisdom a meter going? How did you gain wisdom? Who who coaches you with wisdom? What voices do you listen to for wisdom? Where do you find wisdom? Well, funny you should ask. The book of Proverbs is a good place to start. Get into it. If you're not into the Bible reading plan this month, we're reading a chapter of Proverbs every day for the month of September. I'm telling you, the book of Proverbs, let it just rattle down into your cage. Let it just get in like a good soaking rain into the guts of who you are. Wisdom will carry you places nothing else will. Um, if you're a female here this morning, just an aside, I'm just thinking about this. Who's, as a woman, because I'm not one, finding it an interesting challenge to read these first seven chapters of Proverbs about the wayward woman? It's kind of like, it's a difficult, for a guy, me, it's not difficult. I'm going, yep, I'm hearing what you're saying, Bible. It's like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going down that road at all. But as a woman, just give me some, this is not rhetorical, what do women do with that scripture? Might have taught me over coffee afterwards. I haven't read it yet. Read it yet. No. Tricky one, huh? Kind of go, yeah, I know what they're talking about. I'd want to say, just on reflection, regardless of your gender, um, and it's not been explained in the notes to do with the U version at this point in time. They might come to it. I think one of the more important things to glean from this is the extreme literary contrast between the wayward woman and the woman, say woman, who is wisdom. So it's not a woman bashing kind of scripture. Some nutcase Bible scholars, and I call them nutcase, um, want to show passages of the Bible like that validate their view it's a patriarchal relic from the past and it's got nothing to say in the 21st century. That is so not true. It is an incredible book. And the book of Proverbs is an incredible resource about wisdom in life. And don't get persuaded by some of that other nonsense. God's word is able to be... What's the word? Trusted. Oh, but... I want to analyse it and think about it and and there's nothing wrong with that. But there is if it breaches trust. Because what I think we've got to understand is at every turn, I've said it already, but I want to say at every turn, the enemy, however it manifests around your life, is looking for an opportunity for you to have a breach of trust. So in our friendship, if the enemy can find a chip a little dent in our friendship or in one of our conversations, if the enemy can find a little scratch in the enamel of our friendship, he will work overtime to drive a wedge to breach trust into that because he knows if he can separate us, we no longer have the power of two or three or four. And when two or three are gathered in my name, says Jesus, I'm in the midst. His number one mission, the enemy, is to put you and me on a pathway to divide. He does that by wedging in the antitrust. I can't trust you. You can't trust me. In a church, that's absolutely soul-destroying. In a family, it's destroying. That's why abuse in families... As much as it's prevalent, it's like, has it always been there? I think so. Why? Because the issue is trust and the enemy's number one weapon against you and me, in my view, is breach of trust. And if he can get you to stuff up trust with people, he can certainly get you to stuff up trust with God. It's interesting in that story in Genesis that um, as much as uh, Eve was tempted to not trust God, interesting that Adam... And it's implied, what what I'm saying is about, Adam trusted his wife. She just said, have have this and eat it. And he did did not question it. Why? Because, as an example of what I want to say, God created you and me with an incredible propensity to trust. It is such a powerful tool in our hands. If we can trust another person and walk like this with them appropriately, whatever that relationship is supposed to look like, if we've got this incredibly strong bond of trust, I'm telling you, we can take over the world. If as a church, we trusted each other's judgments, we trusted each other's language, we trusted each other's words, we trusted each other, and we didn't breach that trust, nothing would be impossible for us. Nothing. Genesis story, the Tower of Babel, that's about working together speaking one language, speaking one language is trust it's completely and only trusting one another so I would put it to you you've been created to trust if you're not good at trusting because something's happened to you, I want to repeat myself I've got good news, Jesus can heal you a self help group a psychologist, professionals in the medical arena they can all have a significant level of input to help you Get back on track but I've got to tell you there is nobody, not another name under heaven there's not another name in the universe. His name's Jesus who can actually heal you completely. Does that mean that you go back to being a kicking bag again for an abusive person? Of course not. you know you want to try and get yourself out of that context if that's where you found yourself if it was possible but what's sad to me what's the most sad thing is seeing a person who you'. Just in conversation, just know they don't trust anybody. They, they're so, that lack of trust is going to go down this roadway called loneliness. It's going to go down this roadway called depression. It's going to go down this I can't trust, I can't even trust my own judgment. I can't trust anything. I can't trust anybody. Jesus can heal that. Can anyone say amen to that? I said Jesus can heal that. Oh, come on. It, like, <clears throat> This message, from the moment it popped into my heart, thought of all the messages I've preached for a while, this one's just got this zeroing in point. This message is going to finish in about two minutes with an invitation to meet him. If you've got trust issues in your life, guess what? This morning, right here, right now, today, you can be healed. Does that mean that it's all over, all the dynamic around the issues? Of course not. It just means that you're no longer damaged in that regard. You might have a big scar there. They'll be there for the rest of your days, inward or outward. And it's like, that's just evidence that you've been healed. That's evidence that that God's fixed you up. It's like, wear it with pride in, in, in in a holistic sense of the word. It's like, yeah, I used to be like that, but look what God did. I used to be a really fragile person in this arena of life because I was definitely, I went through some stuff, but God's fixed my heart up. He's fixed me. He's, he's renewed my soul. He's made me new again. I'm a brand new creation. Why don't we stand to our feet for a moment? I've got a whole lot more stuff here, but we've run out of time this morning and that's all good. Um, John, Jesus himself said this, the thief comes... In John 10.10, 10, to steal, kill, and destroy. Let me just put that in, a, in one word. He comes to breach trust. You think about the, the crazy dynamic that's reported in the media at the moment about um, the dynamic between, say, America and China, or the West as a generalisation and the rest of the world as a generalisation. Why is there so much argy-bargy between countries? At the core, at its core, we back the issue is trust. Don't know if we can trust him. Can we trust the President of the United States to not do something crazy? I don't know. Can we trust the President of China not to be just as completely irrational over a principle that he or she, depending on the timeline we're in, like trust I think there's an old TV advert who can you trust Um, I can't remember what that tagline was for insurance company maybe that would be a bit of an oxymoron but anyway um, I didn't say that Um, the thief comes to steal kill and destroy this is Jesus talking okay so he's nailing it right where it's at there's a thief whose number one mission in life is to steal, kill and destroy you. He's not asleep. He's not on vacation. He's active in your life and around your life every moment of the day. But you've got a protector. You've got a vindicator. You've got a redeemer. You've got a saviour. You've got a healer. His name's Jesus. Jesus. And this is what he said as a response to his previous little statement about the the enemy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. If your life's half full, if your joy's half tank, if your expectation of tomorrow is, oh boy. If you've got a limp, you got something wrong with this morning. I've got to tell you, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Yeah. Trust Him. Don't go, oh, I've got to go away and think about it. That's not trusting Him. So like, okay, God, I'll have it. I'll have my healing this morning. I'll have my breakthrough this morning. I'll have whatever it is that you want me to have. So right now, I want to encourage you to close your eyes for a moment. Let's pray to close our church service this morning. When a family's experienced a shift to a destructive or not healthy place, it is not hopeless. There is one who can restore trust, freedom, security and peace. His name is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Father, this morning we throw ourselves back at You. Lord, I pray that every one of us would be making ourselves very aware of the schemes of the enemy. Lord, and if he's been over time robbing us blind, By sowing seeds of discord and a lack of ability to trust other people, we pray for the wisdom of God to transport us this morning into a place of trust. Pray that in Jesus' name there would be healed lives, there'll be healed families, there'll be healed financial situations, there'll be healed futures and dreams. Dreams that are not going to come to pass because of the breach Lord, I pray that we'd find the people we're meant to link arms with like never before and we would make it our business to not let the enemy breach our trust ever again. Help us, Lord, as a church, as a community of faith here in the Adelaide Hills and down the hill in Parkside, Lord, to be a beacon of hope that Jesus Christ can bridge the gap between God and people. Lord, today we throw ourselves completely at Your mercy and we are grateful, Lord. And we declare the Scripture from Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 into the atmosphere. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Come on, get the Lord a clap offering this morning. He is awesome. That's Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. If you've never put your trust in Him, I've got to tell you, your trust, if it's been broken, will remain broken without Him. You might think, oh, it's a choice whether I do or don't receive Christ. Absolutely, it's a choice whether you are or aren't healed. It's a choice whether you are or aren't put onto the course for the best days of your life. He's the one who's got your best life in His hands, but I don't want to. Well, why would you not want the best when it's been offered to you for nothing? As in no cost to you, it cost him his life. Jesus Christ died so you could be set free this morning. If you've never invited him into your life, if you've never prayed a prayer to confess him as Christ, as Lord and Saviour, I got to tell you that you're not whole. You're not complete. You say, how do you know that? Who do you think you are? I can tell you because I know that's the truth. Like the truth sometimes hurts. The truth is without God, without Jesus Christ, In the human life, a human being is not complete. So is that a bit blunt? I reckon it ought to be. Because we're mucking around sometimes with soft peddling, not to offend anybody. If I offend you by saying that, I'm happy. So I want you to think about it. Jesus loves you and He wants you in His kingdom forever. He paid a big price for it. So as we close this morning, if you've never invited Christ into your life, I'd love you to slip your hand and say, that's me. I've never done that. We can help you pray a prayer that will invite Christ into your life. Maybe you've done that at some point in the past and you've just had some trust issues. You've stopped trusting God. Don't be embarrassed by that. Understand who's been at work. It's the devil. He works overtime trying to get that thing unsorted out. So you may have lost your way here this morning. God's very distant. Maybe you've got a guilty conscience. Maybe you feel as um, Phil shared over communion, you're feeling dirty, filthy, unholy, perfect. That's what Jesus died for. He says, come, come to me. If you're feeling like that, grubby, unloved, not able to trust, come to me. He says, I can fix all that. Come back to me. So if you've never given your heart to Jesus or you have and you've lost your way, why don't you to come back to Him? You need to give me a wave. So we can pray a prayer together and invite Christ into our life. Thank you, Lord. And then the final thing this morning. Maybe there's been something said about the issue of trust this morning in this message. I just want you to keep your eyes, if you haven't got them closed, please close them. I just want people to have freedom to slip their hand up in a moment and say, yep, yeah, God's been speaking into my heart and I'm receiving healing in that part of my life right now in Jesus' name. Not... Not that I want it or could I have it, but I'm receiving it in Jesus' name. Just slip your hand up wherever you are in the auditorium. Say, yep, God, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, God bless you. Don't be afraid to slip your hand up. There's an incredible atmosphere of healing here this morning. If this issue's robbed you of your life, let God heal you. Anyone else want to slip their hand up? I just want to pray with you. Heavenly Father, I pray for those who've slipped their hand up for this particular part of My challenge this morning, pray that the Holy Spirit would enter onto each life. Lord, that healing would come. Father, that there would be an incredible bridge of trust built, indestructible, super strong bridge. His name's Jesus, between our heart and you. Let the pipeline of healing, let the pipeline of life, Lord, be opened again in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father.